0: Last day that we're enrolling for uh, the fall choir. So if you um, if you are interested in singing or you have a musical gift or you just love to worship, we'd love to have you in the choir. You may be wondering where we're going to put everybody, but um, I guarantee you we'll make room. We'd love to have as many of you that would love to join. And again, if you would sign up today in the foray, we would love to uh, have you this pat- this coming Wednesday night. We're going to have a um, rehearsal meeting with all of the new folks. So we, in- we invite you to come to that. Hallelujah. Well, this song is based on Isaiah six, where Isaiah had an encounter with the most holy God. He said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, seated upon a throne and the train of his glory filled the temple. And what's fascinating about this passage is the uh, transformation that took place in Isaiah's life. He saw himself as he was before the Lord. He said, I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. And and lo, the angel of the Lord picked up a coal from the altar symbolizing the purity of Almighty God and he cleansed him, touched his lips and cleansed him. And And then he heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And Isaiah responded. He was ready to respond now. Here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. There's something powerful when we come into the presence of God and we worship Him. You know, God doesn't need our worship. He loves to hear our singing and our praises, but He doesn't need our worship. But what happens when we come into His presence is that we are changed. We are touched. We are transformed as we worship the living God, as we encounter His holiness, just as Isaiah did. And amen. How many of you know that He's the same yesterday, today, and forever? Amen. The same God of Isaiah is the God of the 21st century. And I just want to encourage you today as we worship to not just sit back and listen and and watch and spectate, but actually enter in to this holy moment where we're standing on holy ground. Amen. Because where the Lord is, there it is holy. Amen. Hallelujah.
1: Please stand with us.
2: <laughs>
1: oh, my, 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 my. I, I appreciate your worship. But it's not me you're worshiping, and I'm not worshiping you. Oh, my Lord. Oh, praise God. If, if, some, if some personality of movie or, or music or politician that was worthy of our respect come in, We give them respect. But they're just mortals. They didn't die to save us. They don't protect us from the devil. They don't heal our bodies. They don't rebuke the devourer for our sake. Everybody in their own place. But this place is holy because God is holy. you breathing because God gave you breath. You're standing because God gave you stature. Raise up your hands and worship Him a little bit more with me. Come on. Raise up your voices. Surely there's something you can thank God for. Surely there are many. Come on. Thank God for your life. For your salvation. For your family. For your job. Life is not perfect. But God is good. He is. Oh, I worship. Come on. I worship. God, I don't, I don't apologize for worshiping you. I don't apologize. It makes somebody uncomfortable for me to tell you I love you and I thank you for loving me back. I praise you. You are holy. You are holy. You are holy. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now give him an offering of thanks. Thank you, God. Thank you, Judas. Come on. Come on. Let's Let's give him an offering of thanks ma, ma. Thank you, Jesus. Remain standing, church. Oh, bless his name. Wow. Take your take your scriptures and just as he plays softly. I want it's all about the Holy Spirit I've been talking about for weeks. So I'm just going to talk about it and let him overflow in us. Oh, Jesus. Last Sunday I spoke to you about how we quench the Spirit of God and how we shouldn't quench the Spirit of God. That's what's happening here today. We're not quenching the Spirit of God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Because the Holy Spirit leads us like He's leading us to worship, to confess, to pray, to call on Him. There is no greater help than God. Did you hear me? There's no greater help for us than God. I'm telling you, this week, an earthquake up and down the East Coast. Right now, a storm. On its way up the east coast. Nations against nations. Libya, other places. Unsettledness in nature. War on every hand. Men's heart failing them for fear for things that are coming upon the earth. And yet the Lord says about every believer that you are protected, you are favored. And everything you see in here that I just listed reminds you that you are living in the last days. Did you hear what I said? All that I just described for you, the nature, the elements, the war, all of Jesus said, when you see these things come to pass, lift up your head. Look up for your redemption. Draw it nigh. So what we've done this morning is come to this house one more time to affirm that it is well with our souls. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. In Him, meaning in Jesus Christ, you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Who is the guarantee? king james version says who is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory i I do want to in lesson number five on the series of a power-driven life i want to talk to you this morning on the holy spirit the baptism of the holy spirit as your inheritance and and for whatever reason god ordered your steps here today it's not in vain But I can only help you if you help me. And then we'll help each other. Reach in this direction. Offer prayer for me. So that it doesn't become something that is difficult for either of us. Father, I thank you that your word is not difficult for us. Because you are the teacher and the instructor. You are holy. You are awesome. We need you to just keep pouring out your spirit on all of us. We need for every one of us to have ears to hear what the spirit says to the church. Say amen, church. Oh God, we've got... All kinds of uh, potential distractions: cell phones, text. Oh God, emails and uh, other kinds of things, and grocery lists and to-do lists and bills to pay and places to go. But God, this is Your house, and we are here now, and we will not let the enemy steal it from us. Send down Your wonderful, glorious anointing for the Word. Make us one in the Word. May we, we may not resist it or quench it. Deal with us, Lord, because we are better after you have dealt with us, because you love us. Amen? Amen. Amen. And you may be seated. Thank you very much. Oh, blessed be his name. In my effort to convey to you as a church attender and member of the body of Christ and the family of God. To tell you that God has made every provision for your success and victory in this world after your salvation until you arrive at the world to come. In spite of all that's going on in your life and in this world, in your marriage and in your family, in your finances, in your job, in your mind, in your weakness... In spite of when it seemed like the hounds of hell are on your heel, God has made every provision after you are born again to be victorious. I checked this little illustration by my wife to make sure that it was in good taste. And she said it was. So she's usually better about discernment about these things than I am. But in my effort to talk about the equipment we have that God gives us, I read an illustration this week from another pastor I thought it was appropriate. It is about a four-year-old boy who was visiting his aunt's home. She was pregnant with her first child, and because of his curiosity, she allowed this four-year-old to place his hand on her belly and, and feel the baby kick. Well, that only tweaked his curiosity even more, and so he scrunched his face and he said, how does the baby get out of there? And so she wanted to keep it very simple, and she said, The doctor will help. The doctor will help. And the four year old, his eyes widened in amazement, and he exclaimed to his aunt, You've got a doctor in there, too? (laughs) And all women who've ever been pregnant, thank God you just had the baby alone. Of course, she didn't have a doctor in the inside, but if you, if you, you know, curious kids, if you start it, you better be prepared to finish it. She didn't have a doctor inside. To get what help she needed, obviously, she'd have to get in the car, drive to the hospital, go to the ER. And even when she got to the hospital and in bed, she'd have to wait until nature takes its course and the baby gets ready to come. It... I don't know, uh, not of the feminine gender, but maybe it would be much easier for pregnant mothers if the doctors were in helping out. But I can't see it. And not to be lighthearted, but to transition. I need to tell you that the Bible tells us that God believed our lives as Christians would be so much easier if he were in the inside of us helping us out. And I've been telling you for the last four weeks, this is the fifth, that when you come to Christ and you're born again, the old nature, the sinful flesh nature that calls you to do the wrong thing, say the wrong things, live the wrong way, disobey God, that is emptied out of you. And the new nature of God, the Holy Spirit moves in you when you get born again. Can I get an amen? Old things are passed away, the old life of sin. Behold, all things have become new. And the Holy Spirit moves in you. And that's why I say to you that God believed that as Christians, life would be much easier if He was inside helping us out. Galatians 4 and 6, it won't be on the screen, but if you take notes, you might want to look at this now or later. But it says in Galatians 4 and 6, because you are the sons, and it's also implied daughters, because you are sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts. Give me an amen. I've never seen it like that way before in this relationship, but I've read it before, but because all of us are sons and daughters of God through Jesus Christ... God sent the Spirit of His Son, the Savior, which is the Holy Spirit, into our hearts. So when we became Christians, God placed His Spirit inside of our hearts. We don't have to go to a special building. We don't have to wait in line. We don't have to wait for anything. If we need God right now, He's right here, right now, in us. Here's another reference, please. Corinthians 1 Corinthians 3.16 tells us about God being in us to help us. He says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and God's spirit lives in you? Amen. Everything you need after you get saved to keep staying saved, God's given it to you. We are the temple of God. And the Bible says darkness and light can't mix together. If too much darkness comes in, God's going to move away. Amen? That's why we say, because we're the temple of God, you've got to police your own self when you're not in church on Sunday morning. I've got to police my own self. Work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. That don't mean to work out our own salvation by making our own rules. The rules and the guidelines and the helps are already here. Use this. That's why we say be careful what you look at, what you let come in your mind, who you hang with. Because we are the temple of God. We are all God's billboard. Uh, Did you know that? So be careful what you advertise. He lives in us. Ephesians chapter 1 that I read to you tells us about the Holy Spirit. That He was promised of God to come to us. And I've been telling you, and let me just reiterate that when you get saved, you're filled with the Spirit. But beyond salvation, there is something known as the baptism of the Holy Spirit that I will build on in a moment. That gives you more power than the power that brought you to Christ in the first place. It gives you more power, more anointing, more energy, more zeal, more boldness in your walk with Christ than you had when you first began. Because that's what Jesus said in Acts 1 and 8. And you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. It was promised in the Old Testament and the New that God would be in us. Might, might I just show you by way of reference, it won't be on the screen. Isaiah 44 and 3 talks about the promise of the Holy Spirit being in us. Isaiah 44 and 3 says, I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my Spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. Say amen. Amen. Not only can I have this power and anointing, but so can those of my family who come into faith. And generations to come if Jesus tarries. Ezekiel the prophet said in his book, written by his name, chapter 36 and verse 26 and 27, about God's promise of the Holy Spirit being inside of us. He said, I will give you a new heart. I mean, say amen to that. I will give you a new heart, put a new spirit in you. I need that too. I remove from you your heart of stone and your heart of flesh. I may know even after you're saved, you can have a stone cold heart. Don't elbow the person sitting beside you who you already know has it. No, just, just just kidding. I will remove from your heart a heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. That's the Old Testament. Jesus comes in the New Testament, fulfills his ministry, crucified, buried, resurrected. And then tells his disciple, I'm going to go away. I'm going to go to heaven and prepare you a place. I'm going to go and be seated at the right hand of the Father on the throne aside my Father's throne. And I'm preparing your place and I'm coming again. And I won't tell you exactly when, but I'll tell you signs that will take place that let you know my coming is near. And it's all been happening for the last 2,000 years. It seems like it's ramped up the last few years. But, I, but I'm going to send you help, the Holy Ghost. And, and, and pardon me if, you, if you've heard of this already, but, but it is where I'm headed by the Word of God. John 14, 26, Jesus said about the coming of the Holy Spirit that will be in us. The counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said to you. In John 16, 7 and 8, listen to this. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. It is good for you that I go away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. Last Sunday, the choir sang in their offertory a song about the Holy Spirit whose name is Comforter. And they sang about the coming of the Holy Spirit who is already here. The Comforter has already come. Give me a witness, somebody. Listen to what Jesus said. It's good for you that I go away. Unless I go away, the comforter will not come. But if I go away, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. Wow. I I tell you that these disciples were thinking, what do you mean? It's good for you, for us, you're talking to, that you go away. How could that be good? Because they're thinking now we receive the baptism on the Holy Ghost when you send the Holy Ghost we'll receive it but they hadn't received it yet so they don't they don't know what it is they heard about it but they're thinking well we don't know what to compare that with but we you know about you we know you Jesus how is it going to be good for us that you go away when when we were in a storm on the Sea of Galilee and we were crossing over at night and a storm came up unannounced and you were sleeping on a pillow in the in the boat and we were bailing out water from the boat, thought we were going to die and we woke you up and you calmed the storm because you were with us. How is it going to be better for us that you go away? This Holy Ghost we don't even know. Because when we had nothing to eat, you took five loaves and three fish and you prayed over it and there was a crowd of over 5,000 people And you took those loaves and fishes and broke them, and five thousand people were fed, and twelve baskets were left over, because you were right here in the crowd with us. How are we gonna feed people when you're not here? How is it better for us that you go away when a father brings a demon possessed son to us to pray for the boy? This boy's got demons, has demons in him, so he till he has epileptic like seizures. And involuntarily, the demons in him will throw him in a pool of water to drown him or throw him in a bonfire to kill him. And Jesus speaks to that demon and casts the demon out. And Zappos was thinking, how is it better for you, for us, that you go? And Jesus said, listen further. I will send the Holy Spirit. And while I could only be in one geographical location with you, I'll be in every one of you. If there's a thousand of you, I'll be in a thousand places at the same time where I could only be in one place at one time when I was in my physical house of flesh. But when the Holy Ghost is come, whom I'm sending in my Father's name and you are baptized in the Holy Ghost, you will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. You will cast out devils in my name. If you pick up any deadly things and somebody try to kill you and you don't know about it, I will take the poison out of it because I will cause you to have greater miracles, meaning not maybe greater miracles in in the kind of quality, but greater in number, and quality. You will do much more if I go away and send you the power. Don't you want it? I want more of it. And, And so, i got to hasten to tell you that that's the kind of power that everybody can have. And I'm saying to you that in the Scripture, we read about, in Hebrews chapter 6 and 2, we read about the doctrine of baptisms. And then there are those within the church, church at large, especially non-Pentecostal churches, who do not see the baptism of the Holy Ghost as a separate work of grace beyond salvation. There are those who will take this reference in 1 Corinthians 12 and 13. Let me teach you for just a moment, but I'll be, I'll be conscious of the time. In 1 Corinthians twelve thirteen, the Bible says, For by one Spirit we will all baptize into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slave or free, and have all been made to drink in one Spirit. There are those who say there's only one baptism, and you get all of the Holy Spirit you're going to get when you get saved and when you get baptized in water. And they usually take Ephesians 4 to make an argument for only one baptism in a believer's life. This Ephesians 4 passage says there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And when we receive the knowledge of the Word of God that there's a baptism in the Holy Ghost and we teach and proclaim it, those who are against that teaching will say it's foolish talk to say that there's another baptism beyond water baptism. But you have to ask yourself the question, if you want to be a true student of the Bible and you want all that God has for you, you have to ask yourself the question, what does the Bible say about it? And when you look at New Testament, you find several instances where people who already baptized in water, because they were saved and baptized in water, and later on in their experience, They sought more of the power of God and received what is called the baptism in the Holy Ghost. There are places like in the book of Acts, and I won't take time to read it, but in Acts chapter 6, Stephen, who was one of the first Christian martyrs, we read about the New Testament. He was a deacon in the church. And there was a need for ministry from the church to widows in the community. And the apostles who led the church says, we can't just let any and everybody do this ministry. we got to have men of God. And the Bible said the apostles prayed and they're selected as one of the servants to the widows who would wait on tables and minister to them. Stephen, who was full of the Holy Ghost. That's what it says in the Scripture. Meaning that there is special recognition A special desire on the part of the church to have people who just don't have just the infilling of the Holy Ghost, but those who have the baptism in the Holy Ghost, because it gives power for service. I got a hasten to tell you that in Acts chapter 8, in Samaria, when Peter and John got to Samaria, they found believers in Christ. Philip had already gone ahead and preached the gospel. Many people got saved. In Samaria, there were two kinds of baptisms. And some of these people believed it, so they practiced it. There was a baptism of John the Baptist. They got baptized in John the Baptist's baptism in water. And somebody says, well, that was good, but you got to get baptized in the name of Jesus also. So they got baptized in that. And so... Peter and John comes on the scene and said, "There's no need for more than one water baptism. Be baptized in the name of Jesus with the baptism that Jesus said in Matthew twenty-eight and nineteen. Go therefore and preach the gospel. Whoever believes, he says, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. The Trinitarian formula: Father, Son, and Holy Ghost." Peter and John says you only need one baptism, not John's baptism, not Apollos, not anybody else. Just God's formula through his son Jesus, one water baptism. And then the Bible says Peter and John prayed for them. For as yet the Holy Spirit has not fallen on them. They were already saved. They were already baptized in water. But Peter and John says you guys in Samaria are going to need some more power. We're going to pray that you have the baptism in the Holy Ghost. And the Bible says, Peter and John prayed and those they prayed for receive the Holy Spirit. Baptism. Power. boldness, Zeal. More than they got at conversion. Because God wants to give you the power to say no to lust. The Holy Ghost will help you. God wants you to have the power to know when to be quiet. The Holy Ghost will help you. God wants to give you the power to be pure and not sexually immoral. The Holy Ghost will help you. Can I get an amen? After you're saved, God wants to give you the power so you control your anger. The Holy Ghost will help you. God wants to give you the power to keep from being dragged down by the old life and the old sin so that you can have heaven as your eternal home and make heaven your inheritance. And if we will allow more power, we already have it available. I don't have all the time and I know I get get down in this study and I, I get bogged down. Acts 19. I'm telling you there's more power beyond salvation. Paul goes to a place called Ephesus. He finds about 12 brothers there. They're already saved. They've already been water baptized. And he says to them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Acts 19, they said, We don't even know what the Holy Ghost is or if he's available. And the Bible says Paul and his traveling companions laid hands on these twelve believers and they were all baptized in the Holy Ghost, filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke with other tongues and it confirmed the power of God of a blessing beyond salvation. You know, there's only one water baptism. That's it, one. But there are three, if you will, baptisms that belong to... To every believer. I'm just teaching. I hope you want it. (laughs) Because if you don't just seek it on me. I'll take it. There is that thing called a positional baptism. What does that mean? That means that when you were born again. The Holy Spirit moved you. From your position of a sinful lifestyle. Into the kingdom of God. By your confessing and believing Jesus Christ. Your position before you were saved was darkness and sin and rebellion and being lost. But you heard a sermon. You heard a song. Somebody prayed for you. You confessed your sin. You said, God, I can't save myself and I don't want to go to hell. And I've messed up my life. And if you could do anything for me, help me. And God positionally moved you from the old sin and lifestyle and placed you into the kingdom of God, the body of Christ. Say amen, somebody. You didn't come to Christ. On your own, God helped you. The Holy Spirit helped you. And you are, in the, you are in the church now. Even if you're not a member of this church or any church, you are still in the church. Because the Bible says those who are called out of sin are in the ecclesia, the church ecclesia. It means the called out ones. So before you condemn and criticize the church and say all kinds of things about denominations and churches, let me tell you something. Whether you're a member or not of a church with your name on the roll, you are in the church because the saved folk, whether you're white, black, brown, red, yellow, if you're saved, you are in the body of Christ, which is God's church. Give the Lord some thanks. Mm, God's moved me from my old position and baptized me with a new position. Then then there is this thing called a pictorial baptism. That is what happens when you get baptized in water. Is that you, and I remember exactly my water baptism. I was seven years old. My pictorial baptism. I can picture it. Others saw it. Pictorial. For everyone to see. Public pictorial. That's a public baptism. I remember seven years old, I was baptized in a river in Trinidad. My father baptized me. I can see it in my mind's eyes as readily as if I was still there. I see the river, I see the water, I see the bank, I see the people on the bank singing hymns. I see my father in the middle of the stream of the river and somebody assisting him while others were baptized. And I went in. Seven years old. And my father was standing in the river was deeper than I was. So I couldn't stay. If I touched bottom, I'd get baptized several times, up and down. So while my dad was talking about my baptism, I had to kind of swim my way to keep him drowning. Getting drowned in my baptism. I remember it. I remember my father. People witnessing, pictorial. Alan, upon the confession of your faith that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. I remember my father putting his hand on my chest and one um, behind me and I'm standing in that water. And he says, he'd already explained to me, when you go under, pictorially, it represents your being dead to your sin and dead with Christ. That represents that. And when you come out of the water, it represents you risen up with Christ, like Christ rose from the dead. And now you have new life and resurrection life in Jesus Christ. I remember that, my dad telling me that. We baptized 20 people two Wednesday nights ago. And I told them that right here in this pool. I also remember my baptism because some saint of God, some older lady, knew my mischief as a boy that I wanted to go swimming in the river after I got baptized in that water. And she told me, son, if you go back in that river after you got baptized, all your sins are going to come back on you. She didn't know the Bible. That ain't so. Jesus washed away my sin, but she kept me out of the river. When I see her, the spirit of slaps gonna come on me, and I'm gonna have a little talk with her. <laughs> Every one of you, if you're saved, you need a pictorial baptism. You need to get in a pool, get in a river, get in a, a, a ocean or somewhere and let your neighbors, your friends, your mom, your dad, whomever it is, see that now you are not ashamed. You are a disciple of Jesus Christ. You are standing in this pool of water saying, I made a personal internal decision that was private. But right now in this water, I am making a public pictorial declaration. I belong to Jesus. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap somebody. Then there is a powerful baptism. And that's a baptism in the Holy Ghost. That's what I've been trying to get to. Most everybody that's saved have got a positional baptism and a pictorial baptism somewhere along the way. But what a lot of people don't have is a powerful baptism. If you're still what you were when you got saved but no more power no more energy no more hunger for God no more spirit no more prayer life increase no more Bible reading increase no more giving of your tithe and offering and you just come to, God, to church because it's politically correct you come to church because you want to keep mama quiet or the marriage sound you're playing you ain't, you ain't got if your, if your salvation is a humbug and not a joy you need to get dunked again in the Holy Spirit this time I ain't trying to make anybody mad, but my God, somebody help us here. Why is it that we got spiritual yo-yos all the time in the body of Christ? Up and down, in and out of sin. Up and down, in and out of sin. My God, somebody settle the old account and say, God, if there's more fire, I want it. If there's more power, I want it. If there's more boldness, I want it. If there's more zeal, if there's more power over my flesh, baptize me in the power of the Holy Ghost. I know I don't have to yell, but it's my sermon and I'm going to yell. It's his sermon. I'm just a vessel. Sealed by the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? Man, I'm telling you, there's a wealth of knowledge here. And I'm trying to hurry. In our text, Ephesians 1.13, in Christ we were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. What does that mean in baptism? D. Martin Lloyd-Jones is a, is a man of God of yesteryear. He's gone under his reward, but he was a prolific writer and a commentator on scripture and a pastor and in one of his commentaries I think in the book of Ephesians he said this about the seal of what the Holy Spirit does he said the Holy Spirit sealing is God's mark of authenticity for every believer wow D. Martin Lloyd-Jones says in the New Testament the word seal has three different meanings it doesn't mean like you're sealing a jar for your favorite pickle give me a witness it don't mean like you're sealing a can. That's not what it means here. In the New Testament, when the word "seal" is used, it means three things. It means authenticity, authentic. It means authority. <laughs> Ooh, I feel a yeah. I, <laughs> I know it. I know it. Y'all know what I feel. I'm just trying to be refined because you got your dignified friend here, and I'm trying to impress. When I got the Holy Ghost, God put a mark, a seal on me. Authentic. I got the Holy, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. When I get the Holy Ghost, he takes this little old five foot, six inch bald head Indian. I'll call me that. Don't you dare do it because I got some authority. I ain't always this wide open, but when I get the Holy Ghost, I am. And I want you to have the Holy Ghost because you need to take some authority over some junk in your life. To be sealed with the Holy Ghost means I'm authentic. I have authority. And it means ownership. Thank God I'm married to my wife 30 years, 33 years, something like that. Where is she? (laughs) 1978. Do the math. And I somehow belong to her. And I I can't keep my wedding band on. I just can't stand wearing no rings and stuff, man. Where is she? Uh, You know what? Yeah, but it, it, if you are wearing one and you're married, I belong to somebody. And I know some of you are thinking, I'm glad you are because I wasn't chasing you anyhow. <laughs> Ownership! Huh? Y- you know, we are—we like to see it. We are logo-savvy society. Come on, talk to me now. We chase logos because it, because it says it's authentic. Y- you all hearing me? Let me let me tell you. You don't even need words. You just see the logo, you know what it means. What is it? You didn't pay a bill, you don't know it, huh?
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, I know you know that one. <laughs> me too. To all be patty, huh? Yeah, 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 yeah. Huh? <laughs> yeah. that ain't this. Yeah, you ought to do it. Yeah, logo. Huh? Come on. You see? See, you know it. (laughs) Ha ha! There you go. My grandson. I don't know how he got there. just... (laughs) Logo. You know? Hey, let me tell you this. I told this in the last service. I didn't even know I would remember to tell it. Wow. Why, why live a mundane, blase, Christian life if you could live with fire and power, enthusiasm, zeal, happy, rejoice? You know, <laughs> vanilla is a common flavor, but it ain't my favorite. <laughs> I like my strawberries dipped in some chocolate. Oh, I feel it right now. Take my, I like ice cream on a cone. And when I go to Dairy Queen, you can have vanilla and that's okay. But take that cone and dip that baby in that chocolate. Woo! Yeah, yeah, I ain't dismissing now. We ain't got no cones for anybody, but just want you to know. Variety. More. See me? I'm brown. I'm chocolate. Have you seen my wife? She was directing the choir. She's vanilla. <laughs> We've been married 33 years. See that right there? That's the product of vanilla and chocolate. Grandson. Cancer. Well, that's enough of that. I better move on to something else before I lose my anointing. Oh, let me tell you something. Oh, God, help me. There is power over the devil, over the world, over lust, the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says, and I'm going I'm to try to finish it up in just a few moments. That the Holy Spirit in us is the guarantee of our inheritance. What does that mean? That means, listen to this, you're taking notes, remember this. You can start enjoying your inheritance now, some of it right now, instead of waiting until you get to heaven. Can I, can I get another amen on that? God says, Alan, I got a home in heaven for you. In heaven there is eternal life. There's no sickness, no pain, no disease, no crime, no sorrow, no dying, no fear. Heaven is perfect. OK, but he says, Alan, I know you're living in, in August 28, 2011 on the earth and in your flesh and sickness will come and pain will come and storms will come and folks will die and folks will offend you and the devil will attack you. But I'm telling you, even though you're not in your glorified body yet, Alan, I will give you a taste of what is to come in heaven. I will give you the guarantee of what is to come that while you're on this earth, I'll fight the devil. I'll heal your body. I'll bless your marriage. I'll deliver when the devil comes in. I'll give you a foretaste of your inheritance. If that's you and you want to put your hands together. Man, you know that logo thing? Valerie and I was in Miami last month on the way back from Grenada. And we had to layover longer than we expected. We flew from Grenada to San Juan and then to Miami. And they got all these stores. We had to lay. So we went into one of them coach stores. Coach. Can I get a witness, ladies? I ain't talking about no coach with no whistle in his mouth. I'm talking about a coach push. Had to kill some time. I wish I never went in there. Because you started, buddy. You better be prepared. Pocket books. Pocket books with the logo of the coach and the design. $696. 950 bucks. 1000 Yeah, just a bag, man. It ain't just a bag. You ask them folks in New York today where they're hiding all them phony stuff. They Even though the storm's coming, you know, they got the real stuff and then you go in the back behind the store off the store. Don't act like you ain't been up there. And if you hadn't, you probably won't. <laughs> Anyhow, and I'm not being unkind. I hope. But there's a difference you take two of the same bags. Look identical. And then one has the logo. Coach. I read on the internet about those purse that it could take... A day and a half to make just a pattern. Because it says on the internet, one of those purse or bags takes an average of a hundred plus pattern pieces. Wow. It says you could spend an hour on just one strap or belt of the purse with the details to be sure you're doing the right thing. I told my wife, if she really had to have one, we'd fly back to Miami, come to the store again, just watch him. <laughs> just look at him. Pick him up on the internet, look at him. I, I I say that to tell you that when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, God's got his logo on you. You don't have to wear a cross around your neck. You don't have to wear a t-shirt that says I'm born again. You don't have to wear a wristband that says what would Jesus do when you are baptized in the Holy Ghost. God's got His seal, His mark, His logo. Your attitude will change. Your behavior will change. You will have a song instead of a fight or a fuss because the power of God's logo is your protection. It's the Holy Ghost. I am trying to shut up. The Bible says to guarantee it, the Holy Ghost is just a portion of what we're going to get when we get to heaven. Enjoy the earnest of our expectation. If you ever bought a house, how many you know what earnest money is? Huh? you ever bought a house, you know, raise your hand. Raise your hand, yeah. Yeah, earnest money is not you buying the house from earnest. <laughs> earnest money says, I went to the shopping. I found a real, realtor and, I, and I, uh, I'm going to put down some money as a deposit on buying this house. So let's just play with a number. If it's $100,000, I'll put down $1,000. And 30 days from now or 45 days from now, we'll close because i put down this money. But when you put down the earnest money, it's good as if the deal is done unless you find out some inferior thing with it when you go through the inspection. But it's good as the deal is done. You'll just bring the rest of the money when the bank releases it in 30 days. Can I get an amen? amen? And God says, now, right now, I'm going to take you to heaven one day. And I'm going, to, I'm going to either call you to heaven before the rapture or we're all going to go up at one time. But right now, I'm going to fill you with the Holy Ghost in earnest expectation that when I bless you now, there's more of that to come. What, what, is it, what does guarantee mean? It means a down payment. God says, I'm going to send you with anointing and power like a down payment for blessings to come. What does what earnest and guarantee mean? It means a promise. What does it mean? It means an engagement ring. Come on now. Most girls know they got an engagement ring. This is serious stuff. This is this is the real deal. Can I get an amen? Oh yeah. Hey, uh, in, in College Valley when I started dating, and uh, boy, when I found when I found her, I thought this is the real McCoy. We're gonna keep this one, okay? So we started getting to know each other, dating. We go to lunch together in the cafeteria at school, and maybe I walk to class with her a little bit. Yeah. Started building up the interest. Now. I know, you're thinking, wow. No, it was different. It was different 33 years ago. Head full of jet black hair. Yeah. About 132 pounds wet. No. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was different. Now, you're laughing because I'm looking at some of you and it's different. Might as well laugh together, okay? And I remember when I was making my plans. And I knew, I knew that... When I get the way I afford it and time's right, I'm going to ask this girl. This, this guy come to college, about when we came, and he kind of a loner. And Valerie's real kind and friendly, and she said hello to this guy. He, he wore these army fatigues, and he looked like an oddball. Honestly. And Valerie's just kind to everybody. And, and I know some of you think she married me because of her sympathetic kindness, but... <laughs> <laughs> he started showing up. Showing sure enough, Kind of closing in on my space. and it's a little odd you know and I'm thinking uh, I, I'm going to have engagement in mind in the not too distant future uh, I, I, because it's a portion of what is to come this date and dating I'm going to date her now but when God helps me and everything come together this dating is just a portion the real deal is coming when we say I do this guy started making me feel uncomfortable and she too I thought man this ain't going to do I don't mind him saying hello, but I don't want him having a stroll with her. Hello? I, I went up to Walker Hall. Well, I got bonus and courage, man, because this, this was my catch. This was my, sure enough, Georgia peach, Southern Bell. vanilla girl. I went up to Walker Hall. The dorm I was living in, he's on second floor. I was on the first floor. Well, I don't know where I got this courage, man. I don't know where I got it, but it was because it was the earnest of my expectation, Valerie. I knocked on that door. That guy come out with his fat fatigues on, and he's got his look on his face, and he's like a, I said, I put my hand on my (laughs) hips. Texas Ranger. I got me some bonus, and I looked him in the face, and I point my finger. I said, do not go near her again. He looked at me like, you know, the guy's taller and bigger and wider than I am. And I know you're thinking everybody's tall and big and wide than you. (laughs) And I I just, I put him in this place, man. He ain't never bothered her one day since. I hope he found his own little angel. But I have some plans. In the days of the New Testament, when people paid down money on property, it was called God's penny, earnest money. In the days of the New Testament, when people were going to buy property or whatever, they, when they put an earnest money down, it was called God's gold. You all hear me? <laughs> and I'm telling you, that's what God says about us and the Holy Spirit. We got God's gold in us. We got the expectation of a greater day ahead. But while we wait on this world, He's going to keep pouring us some blessings on us. And every once in a while I gotta hurry. You gotta get to the devil's door, knock on it, and say, This is my marriage, and you're not having it shake your finger in his face by your prayer and inter- you got to say this is my son and he's not going to be a drug addict this is my daughter and she's not going to get pregnant outside of marriage can somebody help me here you've you, you got to say this is my check in the book I tithe and I give to God and you are not going to put me in foreclosure or bankruptcy you, when you are full with the Holy Ghost you have the authority to cast out the devil clap your hands and praise God for it stand up after you've done it Everybody stand up. After you stand up, put your hands together again. Come on. Come on. Help me out here. Everybody. Come on. I praise you. Come on. Everybody praise you. My Lord. I apologize for preaching so long. But but help me one more time. Come on. My God. Come altar workers. Come prayer partners. Come all my altar workers, all my prayer partners. Stand all across this altar. I'm going to open it wide open. And I'm not going to beg nobody to get no Holy Ghost. And I'm not going to threaten anybody. And I'm not going to exploit anybody. If you're sick and tired of being sick and tired. Today all that can change. Did y'all hear what I said? If you don't want to be a spiritual yo-yo up and down in God and in and out. If you want to take authority over the devil. Over your mind. Over your marriage. Over your money. And you, you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Today is your opportunity. Bow your heads please. Please would you? Oh, Father, I ask, O oh, God, for unction from the Lord. Pray with me, everybody, that, God, we won't lose this moment. I know time's running out, and I know I preached long, and I didn't intend to, but here we are anyhow. And so, God, what I cannot do, you do. There are people this morning who need to move, who need to obey, who don't need to quench the spirit. There are people that you are talking to, that you are calling, that you love. And that you want to give them a second chance, a third chance, or a fourth chance. I rebuke you, devil. I shake my finger in your face, devil. And I tell you, take your filthy hands and your lies off of the people of God. Let us get our inheritance and get some of it right now. Head bow and eyes nice closed. Pastor Matura, I'm, I, I don't have any inheritance in heaven. I'm not serving God. How can I act like I got inheritance in a place where I never put anything up? Pastor, I've never given my heart to Christ. So I did give my heart to Christ, but I'm back in sin. And I can't expect no inheritance. I got to make sure my relationship is right with my benefactor or my heavenly father. Pastor, I need God. I don't care how you need him, but you need him. Raise your hand where you are. Come on. Hold it up. Hold it up. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, many hands. Many hands. Put them down. Put them down. Put them down. Keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. This ain't going to be long. This is going to... Pray. Pray altar workers. Pray Christians. Pastor Matura, I need a baptism in the Holy Ghost. I don't understand everything about it, but it's the guarantee of what is to come. Pastor, I've been wimpy. I don't read my Bible like I should. I don't pray like I should. I don't give like I should. I grumble, gripe, and complain a lot of times and blame God for stuff that I did. And I'm I'm a Christian. I shouldn't be doing that. I need the Holy Ghost baptism. More of it. I'm not here to embarrass you. I'm just asking you to recognize that's you. Hold up your hand if that's you. Thank you. That's me too, but i will hold up both of my hands. Oh, help me, Jesus. Put them down. Thank you. Heads bowed and eyes closed. I bless you, Jesus. Oh, I bless you, Jesus. Heads bowed and eyes closed. I'm going to pray a prayer over you right now. And then after we finish this prayer, I would to God, when they sing, if you pray this prayer and you're giving your heart to Christ, or you want to seek the baptism of the Holy Ghost, or you want prayer for something else in your life, there are people right here in this altar who prayed before you came that you would come and they're waiting for you. They're not here to know your personal business. They're not here to get in your private stuff. They're just here to love you at this altar and they'll pray with you. If after I pray this prayer and you've come to Christ or you come back to the Lord or you're seeking the Holy Spirit, as part of our closing, I'm going to invite you to come and tarry in this altar for another prayer. Now every head bowed, every eye closed. I want everybody to repeat loudly after me. Lord Jesus... Thank you. For your living word. I'm alive. Because of you. Thank you Jesus. For your gift. Of salvation. Through your suffering. Your death. And your resurrection. I confess Jesus. That knowing right. I have done wrong. I ask you today. To forgive me of all of my sins wash me outside and inside and cleanse me from every evil and every sin I confess by faith that you Jesus are the Son of God my Savior by faith I invite you into my whole life and Lord Jesus Baptize me in the Holy Spirit. Today, fill me with power, boldness, zeal, and passion for you. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. I believe I am saved. Amen. Raise up your hands and take a few moments and thank Him. Come on, raise up your hands. I love you, Jesus. Come on, with your voice. Go ahead right now. If you prayed, say thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Tell him something of expression of gratitude. Come on. I thank you, Lord, that I'm not going to hell. I thank you that the devil doesn't have his seal on me. I have the seal of God. I love you, Jesus. Everybody else who raised your hand before, ask him to fill you with the Spirit. My hands are going up. Ask him to fill you. Sing, my brother. You, whatever you need, you need some encouragement. Come. You need help for your finances, your marriage.
2: You need healing. Come, come, come. Come on, come on. Hallelujah. Come on, moms, dads, couples, single adults, single parents. Come on, it's free. It's free. Let's do it again.
1: more time. Put your hands together. Do it heartily. Come on. Yes!
2: Yes! Yes!
1: Please, I'm not just trying to delay you. You don't have to leave this house less than what you came with. You even have more than what you came with. And if you'll tarry, God will bless you if you need to. As others leave, as you tarry, and they sing, God bless you.